is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For part two with Christopher Darga, we continue the conversation of his life journey, and he brings up some fantastic points on comedy and memorable moments in his career. So I hope you enjoy this part two with Christopher Darga. Keep on keeping on. What is the, uh, I have to ask, what is the, and this is the, the, the wide conversation question, and I want to bring it in. What is the secret to comedy? You know, what is your... Timing. Yeah. Okay. Are <laughs> <laughs> no, you supposed to... Here, ask, ask me the question again. What is the secret to comedy? Timing. <laughs> <laughs> Have there been any roles you've done that have just been so funny, like it's taken you a really hot minute to stop laughing, to do a take? <sighs> yes. I worked on a, a show for Spike TV. It was called MXC, Most Extreme Elimination Challenge. Okay. It, what it was was a Japanese show from the 80s called Takeshi's Castle, where these real people were doing stunts and in these games that would they could get hurt kind of like wipeout actually ripped it off yes yes um the, um anyway i did we wrote i uh, i wrote and did voices on that well but it, what we did is we took this old japanese show and we cut out all of their sound and dialogue and we made them all american <laughs> and you know, Kenny Blankenship and Vic Romano were the two hosts. And you know, they're obviously Japanese guys dressed in this, you know, samurai outfits and stuff. And but anyway, it was very uh, lots of innuendo and lots of dirty stuff. And you know, but it was it was so much fun in that writing room that I, I would be in pain every night from laughing uh, uh, after work. And that that was one. One experience that I'll never forget. The another one was uh, uh, a curb your enthusiasm. Mm. It was all improvised. I remember when I went into the audition, uh, they give you a little piece of paper, and on it it says, "Larry accuses you of stealing his plane tickets," and that's it. <laughs> and then you go in and improvise. And I remember in in the in the audition uh, you you audition with larry david too which was fun yeah and uh in the audition i uh you know i i, I just thought of it real quick i said okay you want to see my tickets and i show it to him and i say see what name is that right there see that's my name chris darga if this were your ticket it would say fucking douchebag <laughs> <laughs> and it, it was that was improvised and they used it word for word that we did it, you know, but the thing about Larry is he's a laugher and he <laughs> ruins so many takes because he laughs and it's infectious. You know, yeah. he gets other people laughing and, and uh, so that that was another experience and Bruce Almighty with Jim Carrey back when he was a big star and. He was, he was, you know, I was like going into that thinking, oh, this guy's going to be nuts. It's going to be miserable. He's going to be like, go off on tangents and, you know, but it was so much fun. And so, you know, improvising. And we did this one scene where he's there. They did a, anyway, it made it the outtake real. Cause I, I couldn't keep my character was very stone faced. Yeah. 
and un unfunny and no sense of humor and and he was just making me laugh and and i i broke when he's doing his sammy davis jr impersonation and uh in my face and <laughs> and so it made it to the outtakes which was kind of nice the, yeah the um did you improvise any of that or was that all written though like i work in back i see no children <laughs> No, it was written. Okay, okay. That was written. Was yeah. it was it decided on Curb Your Enthusiasm that you would be Christopher Darga? Was that the Yeah, the, I yeah. just said what name should I use? I said use your name. Amazing. So I did. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's so yeah. fucking funny. Have you picked up uh well from the beginning of time for you when you you know began this career and through now, have do you have mentors? Did you have mentors? Have you picked up mentors? Are there any standout pieces of advice that you've received from mentors well out, out in hollywood I, I i was already like 27 28 years old when i got out here so i really didn't have any mentors here my mentors were mostly my teachers in university mm. you know uh, uh in detroit and in nebraska that you know it, it, it's it doesn't really one thing about well as you know about college it doesn't teach you much about the real world though no you know when right. as far as like you know you get a lot of good experience being in plays and uh yeah you know you learn some discipline and you know those kind of things but they don't teach you the day-to-day -day how to make a living what do i do first how do i get an agent what you know all those kind of things that actors need to know the business side of acting and, and uh um but where, where was, what was the question? <laughs> oh, mentors. <laughs> mentors. Well, you know, I had, I had a lot of, you know, I had a lot of, you know, actors that I liked and uh, admired and, and, uh, uh, you know, I mean, I didn't really have anyone who specifically was a mentor. Sure. No. Yeah. Okay. Now I, um, I understand that, it was Jurassic Park area for you that got you into sculpting and then uh, painting. I want to talk about this this journey. Had you been doing this for a long time, like sculpting and painting was something that you had been doing? No, I never sculpted anything in my life. Okay. Uh, I I used to draw a lot when I was a kid, and I think I took an oil painting class when I was 12 years old. Like my my brother still has those paintings of like a horse head I did and some of but But anyway... Yeah, Jurassic Park, when that came out, <clears throat> I was always a huge fan of dinosaurs. And there was also this craze at the time called garage kits. They were like model kits that people were sculpting themselves and then making molds and casting them out of resin and then selling the parts and people would put them together and paint them. You know, just like a regular model kit, except they were, you know, handmade models. And uh, they had a line of dinosaur models that came out of, of Jurassic from Jurassic Park. Mm. So I built them all and painted them. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to try this just for fun. And, and so they, I went to a hobby store called Kitcraft in Studio City, California, which is still there. And they, uh, um, you know, there was a, some you know people there who knew about special effects and that kind of stuff. And what clay to use and how to make, I took a, I, I paid a guy to show me how to make a molds. And, and eventually 
my first dinosaur looked like, you know, it looked like, um, you know, a Boy Scout project. You know, it was horrible. Um, but um, I got better and better at it after I learned more techniques, better clays, what to use, what's best, how to make. And I paid someone from the special effects industry to show me how to make a mold. And uh, this was before YouTube. So, you know, now everything's on YouTube. Right, right. Um, but anyway, then I started sculpting my own dinosaurs and I got really good at it. And then the company that did the Jurassic Park model line hired me to sculpt three or four dinosaurs for them. And then they, they made them out of vinyl and then, you know, you assemble them and, and uh, you know, people could assemble them and paint them. And, you know, they sold thousands and thousands of them. The company went out of business and now those dinosaur kits that I sculpted are being sold on eBay for like four and $500. And I remember they gave me probably 10 of each and I ended up giving them away to friends. So, uh, you know, if I kept them, but, but, um, so I started doing that and then, then I got into, uh, the dinosaur and the model kit kind of thing just kind of was like dying off. And I wanted to sculpt more human figures. Um, so I, I rented some DVDs of uh, like, uh, there was a guy named Mark Alfrey, who was a special effects guy, who was also a wonderful sculptor, uh, him. And there's a guy named John Brown. I just looked at their videos of sculpting the human head, sculpting a human figure and yeah. started doing my own. And I, uh, I have, uh, you know, I've sold bronzes now of, of Abe Lincoln and Sitting Bull and um, George Custer and, you know, and uh, even dinosaurs, some dinosaurs in bronze. And uh, it's fun. It, a side note, I, uh, when I was doing the dinosaurs, I wanted to do bigger stuff. So I did uh, uh, like one offs of like a life size T-Rex head. Oh, or a, uh, yeah, it was huge. It was like five feet, and I I used foam on the interior, and then an epoxy clay for the skin, which cured like rock hard. And I made all the teeth, and I used taxidermy glass eyes, and it was very cool. And a, uh, this taxidermist found me online somehow. I can't remember exactly how this happened, but he used to go to this big show called Safari Club International, which was for big game hunters, guys with lots of money. And uh, I'm not a hunter personally, but he said, you know what? I have a booth there. Why don't you bring your stuff? We'll hang it. And and it people went crazy wanting it because these guys wanted to put it in their trophy room saying, look what I, you know, look what I bagged, this T-Rex, you know, and they were very realistic and, you know, they looked yeah. like they were, you know, and uh, anyway, so then I, I started sculpting life-size rhino heads and elephant heads and uh, hippopotamus, walrus. Uh, and then uh, and then after that is when I started, didn't want to, I couldn't work with that clay anymore. The epoxy, I developed an allergy. Oh, no. um, and uh, I was working at, you know, like five gallon buckets full of it. Sure. Anyway, so I started getting more into the humans. I did uh, I did a bust of Sitting Bull, and which are all on my website, which is ChristopherDarga.com. Um, uh, Abe Lincoln, and I and I love I love 
Native American faces, especially older Native Americans, and just that there's so much for sculpting. There's so much more interesting to do somebody with a lot of wrinkles and bags and, you know, yeah. and, uh, um, you know, uh, it, but, you know, like sculpting a child's face is really boring. It's like a balloon with eyes, you know, <laughs> uh, but anyway, so I started doing more of that. And then from there, the cost of bronze became very expensive and I was running out of room. The garage was full of molds that I made of all the stuff. And, and so I thought, you know what, I'll try my hand at oil painting. And again, I go and watch videos on oil painting. And, you know, I used to, I used to draw a lot, so I was okay with that, but, you know, and then, uh, you know, how to mix color and value and light and shadow. Sculpting taught me a lot about light and shadow and three-dimensional form. And and I started painting. And my first painting was uh, one of my dogs. And uh, it was not bad. And, uh, you know, and I just kept practicing and practicing and doing more and more and got better and better. Is this always and, uh, been a hobby? Or now this has turned into, a, you know, career, well, so to speak? How do you view it? Well, as, as an actor, you know, you have, you have downtime, you know, and, right. and you need a creative outlet. I wasn't a big fan of doing equity waiver theater. Mm. You know, you go and do a play for free, you know, here in LA and hope that someone comes and sees it. They're like 99 seat theaters and you don't get any money. And, you know, anyway, I, I lived far enough away where it wouldn't be worth, you know, just, so I needed some sort of creative outlet and yeah. that's filled the void and uh and i you know managed to make a little side living from it and i just recently got with a gallery uh in florida you can see my stuff on their website it's billottagallery.com b-i-l-o-t-t-a gallery.com uh they'll represent me for my paintings and uh and sculptures where is where's that gallery in Florida? Fort Lauderdale. Oh, great. Okay, just curious. What do you What are your views here for yourself? You know, as time goes on, I know it's been such an uncertain time with COVID. What do you What do you think this future looks like for you between these, you know, virtual auditions and in person auditions, and what projects you want to work on in the future versus well, the sculpting? Uh, you know, I'll, I'll be totally honest with you. I've, I've, uh, had many a sleepless night. Yeah. You know, I worry that, uh, you know, I'm older, you know, uh, trends are different now in casting and I, I worry about, you know, am I going to be able to, you know, still make a living and, you know, and, and COVID's really screwed everything up. Everything is the business has really changed. There's, there's such a glut of production now, but I, I I don't know. I think it's a lot of it shooting out of state, out of the country, because, uh, you know, if there were good projects going on, I was getting in on them and I still do, I still get auditions, but, um, and I have good agent and a good manager now. And, and, uh, but I worry, you know, like, like anybody else, you know, I, I tell myself, you know, I don't really need to, but, 
uh, you know, I, I have an income from residuals. Thank God, you know, thank God for previous work. That's why the union is so important right. for actors. Um, they safeguard all that. And, and if it wasn't for the union, I, you know, I would never have gone into this business. Right. It never, it wouldn't be like it is, but anyway, uh, yeah, you know, I, I don't know what the future holds. I, I'm, I'm confident that, you know, something, things will happen. I've come close on a few things here lately. That's like, ah, it's so frustrating. Well, as you know, when you really, uh, you know, put so much into something and, and it looks really good and then it doesn't happen. It's, you know, but that's the nature of the business. You got to be able to let things go and forget them. My, yeah. my God, if you took, if you took every rejection personally, you, you would, uh, you know, you'd hang yourself after a year or two in this business. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't last long. <laughs> no, that's for sure. Yeah, you'd go on to something else because, yeah, rejection, you have to be able to deal with that. But, yeah. but you know, uh, you know I, I'm, uh, I'm, I am excited to see what, what the future holds. You know, uh, you know, the older I get, the more I like sitting in a room painting, you know. <laughs> Quiet. You know, I, I think for an introvert, which is I pretty much, which is kind of strange, but a lot of actors are, uh, I, uh, this COVID thing hasn't been too bad, you know, for <laughs> things. <laughs> now you might've, you might've just answered this question, but have there been changes you've made that have increased positivity and decreased negativity, you know, during this time? Well, I pray more. Yeah. I, I, uh, my faith. And I've been away from from my faith for a long time, but uh, have recently, in the last few years, come back to it, and yeah. that's been a good, very good positive thing for me. You know, uh, I know in Hollywood a lot of people would uh, make fun of that, or you know, uh, but uh, it's important to me, and it, and it and it is very very helpful in getting yeah. through rough times. Being grateful, you know, one thing: be grateful for what you have rather than wishing you had something more or something else or so, you know, I always think, uh, look, I, you know, I've got a house, I've got a car, I've got a beautiful wife. I have a dog. I, I pay my bills and, and, you know, uh, I'm not wealthy, but I'm okay. You know, it's like, there's no need to freak out and, you know, and it's always, you know, uh, with the acting biz, you know, you, you can't freak out because something is going to come along. You, you've got all the pieces in place. You've got an agent, you've got a manager, you're getting out there. It's just a matter of time. Right. And it's so, this business is so weird. You know, you're not working and not working for months. And then all of a sudden you book three or four things in a row, mm. you know, and, and you're not really doing anything different. But sometimes, sometimes it's like confidence, you know, it, and they can read it. They can read desperation, yeah. you know, when you at an audition or whatever, Oh, I want this so bad. Oh, this could change my life. And, you know, it's, I've found a lot of times, like, like I told you before, those auditions that I didn't want to go to, I, I think I was just so relaxed and so like, not desperate and you know and and the, the the one when i was sick that was such a distraction that it really helped and and uh so and i think the painting you know now that i know i can make money painting and commission work and that kind of thing it, 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 the importance of it 
is not as crucial as it used to be. But I love being on a set. There's nothing, nothing better than working and creating with people and being on the set. And it's just, you know, I, I, um, I go to these old, you know, you go to Paramount or Warner Brothers and MGM and, and, and you're in these studios that, you know, you so now like Paramount, they'll put on the wall, like what, what things have shot here or whatever. And, yeah. Oh, Godfather shot in this, on this stage, or, you know, it's like um, a Robin hood with Errol Flynn was on this one. And, you know, it's just, it's such a, a, a legendary business. My, my mother was a big into old movies. So I watched all those old movies and got to know all those old movie stars and, and, um, one who would have been my dream to work with would have been Robert Mitchum. He He's my all-time favorite. And, you know, I just, if I had met or worked with Robert Mitchum, that would just be, that would, you know, that would be fantastic, but that's not going to happen. So right. <laughs> why Robert, why Robert Mitchum? Well, he just had such a natural, like, you know, I don't care F you kind of attitude about the business that it made him, I think just a natural on screen and he could do bad guys and good guys. He wasn't, you know, big comedy guy, but I I don't know. He just seemed to have like one of those actors that just had a natural ability and wasn't like Juilliard trained and, you know, didn't have to, you know, suffer. And, you know what I mean? He just, just had this, I don't give a shit attitude and it really helped him. And it probably, I don't know. I, you know, he drank a lot. I know, like, but, <laughs> but I, I always think, um, right. I think if you take it too seriously, that, uh, you know, the fun is gone and, and you end up, not having fun anymore or whatever, you know, even, even what one thing, one of my acting teachers in college said, always find the humor in something. Even if it's a very serious, dramatic thing, there's always a way to find the humor and that makes it human. And, uh, um, you know, and having, being able to have a vulnerability, which is very hard for some people to just let go, you know, but I've never been, I've never been one of those actors who, who had to suffer. If I was playing a homeless guy, I would not go out and be homeless for six months. You know, <laughs> I, I don't think then, then you know, it's funny. I don't know if you've heard, ever heard that. I don't even know if it's legend or real, that story with Dustin Hoffman and Laurence Olivier. They were working on that movie marathon, man. Have you ever seen that movie? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Great film. Uh, yeah. But Dustin Hoffman was a very method actor. And there was one scene where he's supposed to be, uh, hasn't slept in 48 hours, has been running around hiding from these bad guys. And so he, before uh, <clears throat> there was a scene where he, where Lawrence Olivier has to torture him with the dental tools, you know. And Dustin Hoffman shows up in the makeup room and he's filthy and he smells. And, uh, and uh, Lawrence Olivier comes in and he's all happy and whistling. It's going to be a very 
horrible dramatic scene you know right. and uh you know, olivier played a very sinister uh, nazi ex-nazi dentist and anyway uh, Lawrence Levy comes in the dressing room. He's all whistling and happy and sits down and Dustin Hoffman just looks miserable. And, and, uh, and Dustin Hoffman says to him, how could you do that? How can you just come in before a scene like this and be so carefree and whistling and happy? And, uh, and uh, he said, I've been, I haven't slept in 48 hours. I've been doing all this preparation. And, and Lawrence Olivier said, well, well, my dear boy, that is not acting. And, you know, so it was two different schools of acting. You know, yeah. I, I kind of, I'm not comparing myself to Laurence Olivier in any way, but <laughs> right. I, I've kind of prided myself on this ability to turn it on and off. And yeah. there are some actors who can, you know, uh, be backstage joking and laughing. So anyway, I was telling this story about uh, I was out on the street and this nun walked by and the nun didn't, you know, and then uh, everyone's laughing and then, and then they say action. And then they're, Oh my God, my mother's dead. Oh, this is so horrible cut. So anyway, the nun walks by the, you know, so they can, they can turn it on and off like that. Right. I don't know. That's sort of, I mean, I'm exaggerating slightly, but sort of way the, I, I, I've been, I, I never really did consider myself a method actor I remember in, in graduate school learning uh, Stanislavski and, you know, uh, script analysis. And yeah. and it was like, oh, my God, this is so analytical and so academic, you know. Uh, I wanted to just, let's just do it. Right. Just do it and see what happens, you know. Yeah. yeah it's, and I think that's why I like doing improv, too. It's, yeah. It's right on the spot. Yeah, it really, I mean, it really is. And that's the thing that I find so interesting about your career and education is, you know, you're up there playing, uh, playing comedy so seriously and you've got, you know, the training of like an MFA, a master's of fine arts. <laughs> and it's like, mm -hmm. you're, you're up there playing, you know, like a, uh, the, like a warehouse guy or something like in, um, you know, modern yeah. family or something. I just think it's so it's so fascinating. And I meant to ask you this question at the beginning of the conversation. Was there ever a decision yeah. for you between like stage Broadway or like a West end career or film television? I always wanted to do film and television. That that's, that was, you know, I, I, I couldn't sing or dance. So I think that was a, a big reason for not going to New York because so much of the work there was musical, even though there was, a lot, you know, more drama and stuff, but, sure. but I, I always wanted to do film and television. It was my dream. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that's why I came, we came to LA. Well, I want to say on the record, you're extremely, extremely great at it. And I love seeing you. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you for continuing. Well, you know, I, it, you know, I, it's funny. I I've been around for years doing it and been in so many things and some, some, I look, I go, I'm looking on IMDb on the list and I look, God, I don't even remember that. What was that? You know, it's like, <laughs> but, but um, no one ever really knows my name. You know, people see me, did I go to high school with you or, right. you know, yeah. I just, and that's great. You know, people think they know me from somewhere, but they don't know what. And, and then you say, well, I was in this and that. No, no, that's not it. You know, and that's, <laughs> <laughs> and go on and on 
what one funny funny little story um i was uh, in in seinfeld i played uh, i played this limo driver who but Elaine pretends she's deaf, so I won't talk to her. She hates limo drivers because they always talk too much. Anyway, <clears throat> we were shooting a Capital One commercial in uh, Louisiana, in in New Orleans, and it was Mardi. It was the the set was Mardi Gras, and we had a big float um, of this catapult, and we were all on the float, you know, throwing beads, dressed in our Viking costumes, you know, helmets and leather and scars. And they had about a thousand extras and we're in between takes and we're standing up on the float. And I hear this voice from the crowd say, Hey, it's the limo driver from Seinfeld. (laughs) (laughs) How obscure and how the heck from far away did they even recognize, you know, so (laughs) that that's, that basically, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's my recognition, I should say. <laughs> you know? It sums it up now. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Was a lot of fun. I mean, that was that made me laugh and and it made me smile. I mean, you know, it's like I it made me feel good because you know people remember a lot of the stuff I've done. They remember the scenes, or if I mention it, you know that that curb your enthusiasm. You know, it was right. what like five or six lines, and and uh, but people remember it, and and the uh, the Bruce Almighty and. You know, I just love the I love the parallel, you know, and I was saying this before we started our conversation that in every scene, it seems you're talking to a mega huge superstar and you've done over 100 projects and it's it's like you're right there, but you don't have to deal with the crazies in a way. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Right. You know, you get to participate. Yeah, I, I, I go home to my my wife and my dog and. And uh, and they have to go off uh, doing press junkets and, you know, (laughs) but um, yeah, I've never like I said, I never really been starstruck except Schwarzenegger, even though not from an actor standpoint, just from a personality standpoint, you know. Yeah. Um, And, uh, you know, I've worked with some big people, you know, Bill Murray and Jim Carrey and, um, you know, a lot of a lot of a lot of name names and, and yeah. really good actors. And I've been, I've been very fortunate, you well, know, uh, but um, I, I hope, I hope I'm able to continue. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, I can't wait to see what's in store, you know, for the future with such a, with such an un, uncertain time, you know, so many yeah. beautifully creative things can happen, I think. Yeah. Well now, uh, uh, can we talk about you on this we we can if you want to, but I can also because the, the the audience hears a lot of me, so I might oh, okay. wrap this conversation up and then we could talk about okay. about right. me. But I have one more question for you before we wrap it up. Yeah. Metaphorically speaking, if you could put a word or a phrase on a billboard for millions of people to see, does anything come to mind? Uh, don't read this sign. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> and that's just for the laugh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I freaking love I, it. <laughs> we need to laugh more. We really do. I love it. Chris, thank you so much for taking this time today. I'm going to link everything in the bio of this conversation 
uh, you know, from okay. your art to your, your credits and everything. So I really appreciate you doing this with me. Oh, you bet. You bet. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Christopher Darga. You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening.